Welcome to this week's episode of The Versatile Writer, the podcast that aims to help and support the like-minded writer. This week, I'm looking at writing problems and tips, part one, which more than suggests there will be a part two. And yes, there is. It's being created now and will appear later in season five of The Versatile Writer. As you might imagine, after over three decades of writing experience, I've picked up a few tips and created a few myself too. Some of them I've gathered here may be useful for those new writers just starting out. Some more so for existing writers. Some I've picked up from other writers, so I've credited them where possible. If you know other writing tips that are not covered here, why not mention them on the podcast's Facebook group, details of which are on the show notes. I've gathered a broad spectrum of problems and tips so they won't fit a specific theme. It's more of a lucky dip, a literary suck it and see. If there are tips that don't affect you yet, why not keep a note of it anyway? Because chances are at some point they may well become useful. These are in no particular order. Writing tip number one. Considering criticism. I found this snippet in Writing Magazine last year. It was written by Adrian Magson and he says, Accept the good with the bad and learn from both. Criticism is merely someone's opinion. It's not a universal law. If someone actually read your work and felt committed enough to comment on it, that's way better than being ignored. Next time you don't enjoy a book, film or TV programme, remember someone wrote it with good intentions someone like you. I've got to add that I think these are really good tips, especially if you've recently had a literary kick in the teeth. This may well raise your spirits again. I want to emphasise Adrian's second point. Criticism is merely someone's opinion, not a universal law. I'm emphasising this one because so often we hear a negative comment and keep repeating it in our minds whereas the many positive comments that we often get go unnoticed because, somehow, it's easy to focus on the negative. This does us absolutely no good whatsoever. But do remember that the one negative opinion is just from one person. On the other hand, if you were the one who wrote the less than flattering review of a book or a TV show or a movie, or indeed any piece of artwork, it might be useful to ask yourself why you wrote it in the way you did. Did you deliberately write it with a negative, snarky slant? Were you expecting anyone to read it, or did you just want to vent? Did you care who read it? I'm asking these questions because sometimes we find ourselves reviewing something just because we can, not because we should. I believe there is a difference. As writers, we're told quite early on to grow a thick skin because reviews can be quite scathing. It's always made me curious, though, to know why critics feel the need to be so scathing with creative and artistic endeavours. I mean, why choose scathing words at all? Why not be constructive in your delivery rather than tear someone down? But then I'm of the school of thought that suggests we ought to consider how our words can affect the originator, that the delivery of your words can mean the difference between confidence in a new writer or none at all, that they might never take to writing again. What's the use in that? What do you learn from it? Before you write the scathing review, ask yourself if you'd still write it if you knew the originator stopped creating because of it. 
or better yet, if they wrote it about your work, how would that affect you? If you answered that you wouldn't care, I'd query why are you writing in the first place? I suspect that's a thought for a further discussion on another episode. Lastly on this tip, I'm reminded of something very early on in my writing career, some 35 years ago or more. I sent off some work to be professionally critiqued. Five short stories came back with just three critiques and a note saying they didn't bother reading the other two stories and that I ought to not consider a career in creative writing. Harsh really, wasn't it? Sure, I should have grown a thick skin and got on with my life. But where was the constructive criticism I'd paid for? Where had I gone wrong? What could I have done to make the stories better? After a couple of months reminding myself of their suggestion, from a professional to boot, I managed to pick myself up and continue writing, but so easily I could have stopped completely. If I had, I wouldn't have written 11 books in fiction, non-fiction and ghost-written books for other people. Nor would I have created a writing-based business, half a dozen creative writing courses for all writing abilities, nor would you be listening to this podcast. Words are powerful. Please always remember that when you give your thoughts on others' work. Writing tip number two, preventing a story dump. Here's a problem that might rear its head during writing a novel. Have you ever found that all your detail is in one area on the page? Maybe you rambled for a bit, dumped a huge amount of story, then moved on with it. You might have completed a load of research and needed to put it somewhere, so rather than make notes in a different document, or even on a notepad, you just left it in the middle of a chapter. It happens. Try to spread the story out to avoid telling all the details in one lump. Exposition can read as dull and may tell the reader you lost interest in the story and focused on the research more. If you've lost your interest, they will too. Try drip-feeding the details in through dialogue or character action instead. If it's there but you've not noticed, maybe it will be picked up in your final edit or when somebody else reads it before it's finally published. You may hear the odd bird squawking outside. I'm sitting next to an open window with some sunshine on me. It's actually really nice, so I'm going to keep it open and the birds will sing. Writing tip number three. Beta readers. Beta readers are primarily used to give you feedback on your work. They tell you if your novel is hitting all the right notes, if there are any plot holes, if the characters are fully developed. They can also offer feedback on typos and grammatical errors to give you an overall yay or nay to your story. While you're asking your beta reader to tell you all these things, how they deliver that response falls back into the first tip again. It's just one person's opinion. Ideally, you ought to have between three and five beta readers for each manuscript so that you can garner a balanced response to your work. Of course, it won't appeal to everybody and you have to take this on board. But betas are much more important than some people give them credit for. Some betas will give you page-by-page, line-by-line feedback dependent on their interest in the story. I've beta-read for many writers over the years. And providing the story is interesting to me, I've been known to give such micro and macro feedback. There are several reasons to get a few beta readers on board, but do remember in this that writing tip at the start of the versatile writer today, this is just one person's opinion. So while a beta reader may be a very useful commodity, ensure you have several so you can compare their feedback. 
There's nothing to say you have to take their feedback on board either. If you want to completely ignore it, that's up to you. But they might be saying something really useful, so keep an open mind when you receive it. To be fair, you might not agree with anything they've suggested anyway. Maybe they've interpreted your story in a completely different way to your intention. If this is the case though, it might be worth discussing with them what they got out of it and indeed what you intended it to say. With this point in mind, I've talked before on The Versatile Writer that the story we intend to read might be a different story that is read, as in the reader will bring their unique experience to it. I suspect that all stories are like this because everyone comes at a story from a different angle and approaches it with a different perspective because we all process information differently. If you have created an info dump, as mentioned in writing tip number two, then having a beta reader on board may notice it and it can be a big help. Lastly, a beta reader can be anyone who reads. It's helpful if they read the genre you're writing and it's also helpful if they're in contact with you throughout the whole experience so they can regularly update you on their progress. Do create a deadline for the reading to be finished by or else it can go on indefinitely. Writing tip number four. Something is missing, but what? This doesn't sound like a tip, but hang in there, I'm getting to it. Taking the opposing problem this time, rather than too much information in one place, what if there's something missing from your story, like edge or depth, or a character may not be fully developed? Whatever it is, you can bet a reader will notice it. Identifying it is one thing, but why did it happen in the first place? And perhaps more importantly, how can you fix it? If you recognise why it happened in the first place and you can fix it, you can prevent it happening again. Let's start with ways it might have happened. It might have happened because you were too close to your work or you didn't allow it time to settle before you went back to edit it. Whatever you're writing, whether it's an article, a poem, a short story, a novel, before you finish it or think you've finished it, step away from it. Give it time to settle on the page or process in your mind. Our subconscious is a brilliant writing tool, if only we recognised it as such. I'll cover this a bit more later. Another reason why it might have happened is that you didn't develop the story as, as well as you could have. When you get an idea from a story, one way to fully develop it is to take things down to basics, then build them back up. You can carry out a couple of different exercises, and one is to use a bubble chart, also known as the snowflake method. But since nowadays that word has other connotations, I tend to think of it as a bubble chart. So the tip is to use a pen and paper, draw a bubble in the middle of the page, and write a few words of the plot inside it. Surround it with other bubbles and arrows leading to and from them. In each of the bubbles surrounding it, write how? Question mark. Why? Question mark. When? Question mark. And who? Question mark. Then take some time to give answers to those questions. You might need a large piece of paper to carry out this exercise, but it will be worth it afterwards, especially if you're a visual person like me. Afterwards, you might want to create more bubbles around the outer ring with more questions and answers. You'll see why it's called a snowflake or a bubble method now, won't you? Wherever or whenever you stop, take another deep dive of the piece of writing and perform a completely new edit. I hope that one helps. If it does, let me know on the podcast Facebook page. Details are in the show notes of how to find it. It'll be useful to hear your thoughts on that one. Writing tip number five. 
Providing a remedy for overcooking the story. There are a couple of different definitions of this problem. One is that there's been too much editing and the original story no longer exists. First of all, only you will know this because only you knew the original story. Another way of looking at overcooking the story might be that there's a lot of repetition and summarising within it, that the story is way too long for its needs. Maybe there's a lot of metaphors or a lot of something unneeded within it and it's diluted it. Novels can often sink in the middle. This might be because the writer has worked on it for so long that they might have just lost their way. Or it could be because they're exhausted. Or even because the story is being stretched out longer than it needs to be. Maybe it's not a novel. Maybe it's a novella. Maybe it's just a long short story. I've read stories before, and probably written them too, where the point has been made. But rather than leaving it there and moving on, the characters or the narrator keeps repeating the point or summarising what's happened so far. Sometimes this happens to the point that the reader may well have lost their focus in the story, possibly even looking out for the next time it's summarised or repeated. When this happens, I can think of three ways to counter the problem. The first tip is to take a break. Secondly, to be honest with yourself and rewrite. Or thirdly, to edit it, which is ironic considering that may have caused it in the first place. Having a break, even a day, would help your mind reset and refocus on what's meant to be written rather than getting caught in a never-ending loop. Edit with care, though, because you don't want a manuscript that's been edited so many times that the real bones of it are now missing or diluted to a point that it's a different story altogether, or that depth is missing. Again, have a beta reader check this out before you give it a final edit, or send it out to a professional editor. You could even just get a friend to read it, Writing tip number six, free writing. Free writing can be quite fun, but it can also serve as a therapeutic tool. Free writing is when you begin writing from a prompt or a thought inside your head. There is no real expectation for a topic or a result when you free write. It's a great exercise for when you need to get the mind moving before you begin a proper writing session or for emptying your mind, especially if you've th got things that are bubbling away in your head and you just can't get rid of. Things like what's going on in the news or a TV show, something going on at work or in your personal life, these are usually the kinds of things you need to empty your mind from. Often free writing can highlight a story you might want to pursue, or you could free write in poetry form, should that appeal to you. Maybe your mind works in that rhythmic way. One further tip is to set a timer, just so you can ensure you're giving the free write a set amount of time. You can free write each morning when you wake up, any time during the day, or at night before you sleep. In fact, any time at all. If you've got a reason for doing it, it can help the free write flow better. If you've got a lot on your mind so can't sleep, emptying your mind would be a helpful endeavour. First thing in the morning can help you set up for the day. Writing tip number seven. Using your subconscious as a writing tool, or dreams as ideas. This could easily work side the free writing if you wanted it to. If you remember your dreams, jot them down in as much detail as you can. Obviously, dreams don't come out in a logical or chronological order. You may get inundated with colours or abstract shapes, or people's faces or locations. Sometimes it's a feeling rather than a thing. If so, write out as much of how you felt when feeling it and when waking up. If you don't use the dream topic as a starting block to write, 
you may be able to use the feelings you were left with as a way to tap back into the dream. I've added subconscious to this tip too because dreams and subconscious seem to use a similar part of the mind. Since I was a teenager, I've been able to train, in inverted commas, my mind to recall my dreams. I read somewhere back then on how to connect with lucid dreaming. Admittedly, it isn't easy, but once you are able to say to yourself inside your dream, hey, this is a dream, it becomes easier. Once you're aware and inside your dream, you can find a prompt like a vase of flowers or a window or something else. Then, in your waking hours, your subconscious may guide your view to a vase of flowers or a window, and then it triggers you and signposts you back to the dream. As I said, it's not easy, but once you learn the trick, it is an excellent writing resource. Writing tip number eight, writing on demand. This works in the same way that you might free write using a prompt. Rather than a tip, this is more of a useful skill. If, like me, you are able to write fiction, non-fiction, ghostwrite, write articles, blog posts, etc., writing on demand means that whatever you're expected to write, chances are you can just get straight to it. Maybe after a little bit of research. I learned early on in my writing career that while writing fiction is an entertaining method of garnering readers, aka a paying audience, other ways to earn money through writing is to widen your skill set. Rather than restricting yourself to just fiction, being able to write on demand articles, blogs, copywriting and ghostwriting helps widen your mind too because you have to think differently with non-fiction or journalistic skills. The tip is to see how other writers are doing it and test yourself. Use a newspaper headline to create your own headline or an advert to create an original ad. After some practice you'll notice improvements and there are courses you can attend to help including some of mine. You can visit loveofbooks.co.uk and click on the Courses tab for more information there. Writing tip number nine. Using unusual things as writing resources. I've mentioned this before on The Versatile Writer, that I've discovered some unique skills my brain has conjured up. Now, not all of these could be considered skills, but I've framed them positively and used them that way. One of those is my ability to hyperfocus or obsess. This skill, as I like to think of it, helps me considerably when it comes to focus and writing to a deadline. As I mentioned earlier, another of mine is the ability to bring ideas from dreams back into reality. Every one of us is different, so chances are you'll probably have some unique skills that you can use from yourself. This is just a matter of discovering them and then framing them into a writing resource. Now we find ourselves at writing tip number 10. Before I read it out, let's just recap on the writing problems stroke tips so far. Writing tip number 1. Considering criticism. Number 2. Preventing story dump. Number 3. Using beta readers. Number 4. Something is missing, but what? Number 5. Providing a remedy for overcooking the story. Number six, free writing. Number seven, using your subconscious as a writing tool, stroke dreams as ideas. Number eight, writing on demand. Number nine, using unusual things as writing resources. So writing tip number 10 is revert to pen and pad. Now I know some readers who are torn on this tip. But from my experience, I know it works. 
As a writer, your relationship with words is dependent on them forming into understandable sentences. Of course it is. Without that, you have a garbled mess. But what if you could enter into a different world with words? A world that allowed you to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with them. Would you take it? I did. The tip is to use a pen and pad in place of the computer keyboard. When you break from the keyboard, just for a short time, even a few minutes, you'll discover a different connection with the shapes that are potentially your bread and butter. When letters and words form under your pen, onto a pad of paper, something almost magical happens. I realise this sounds a little on the eek, she's getting all spiritual on me side, but this exercise is something I do daily and believe it's a great tip to pass on to you. Seeing the letters and words take shape underneath the pen on the page helps your relationship with their creation and their meaning. This sounds a bit deep, I know, but it is true. Depending on your mood and what time you have available, your writing changes, your writing style changes. Your writing might look rushed or relaxed. The loops at the top or bottom of your letters might be exaggerated or smaller. The pressure you leave on the page might be heavy or light. Even the slant you create with the letters might be more to the right or the left. The study of handwriting is called graphology and it can tell you a lot about the writer, the circumstances in which they were writing and their mood. For the purposes of this tip though, I'm just looking at the relationship between you and the page using the pen as a medium. I'll talk more about graphology in another episode of The Versatile Writer. If you're rushed, you might notice the letters are almost incomprehensible. Yet in a birthday card, they might be a little more relaxed as you wish the recipient a happy birthday. If you rush the words, chances are the recipient might see that you were and feel the thought of sending a birthday card was fleeting. Whereas if you write slower, spacing the words carefully and spending time on what you really feel about them, the meaning will come through more sincerely. Obviously, more and more people nowadays resort to using email or social media to send annual greetings to each other, and this is practical and in some cases the only way. But for those of us who appreciate the written word, it means a lot to know you took the time and care to write your specific choice of words. Essentially, this tip is about rekindling your love of the written word. Sure, it makes your hand ache, and yeah, it takes a bit longer, but in the end, Reminding yourself what your handwriting looks like can't be a bad thing. For what it's worth, I generally keep the most recent birthday, good luck or Christmas card from very special people in a box. It's sentimental, but should the worst happen, I've still got a piece of them forever. Handwriting is a very special part of our identity. And this is part one of writing tips on The Versatile Writer. I hope you got something from it. And if you'd like to add anything by way of your thoughts on this episode, you can do so in the Facebook group. Details are on the show notes. Alternatively, you can just put into the search bar in Facebook, The Versatile Writer Podcast Group, and hopefully it should pop up. I wish you happy writing. And if you ever find yourself using any of these tips, why not let me know in the group? Please feel free to like, share and subscribe to The Versatile Writer and tag me in too, please. On Facebook, I'm Sarah Bannum. On Twitter, I'm at SJBWrites. And on Instagram, I'm S.J.Bannum. Bye for now.